Welcome to Podland, the last word in podcasting news. It's the 28th of October 2021. I'm James Cridden, the editor of podnews.net here in Queensland in Australia. And I'm Sam Sethi from River Radio, the podcast's first radio station here in the Thames Valley in the UK. Hello, I'm Benjamin Bellamy, CEO of Adores and father of Castapod. And later, I will be talking about 10 ways to help you discover your podcasts. Hey, my name is Bailey Drake. I'm the product manager for Backstage from Headliner. And I'll be on later to talk about how we're improving consumption experience of social audio. They will. Podland is sponsored by Riverside.fm, a tool for recording podcasts and video interviews in studio quality from anywhere. We're using it now. And by Buzzsprout, used by over 100,000 podcasters like us to host, promote and track your podcast. Sam is back from Barcelona and I am back from the wood. Podland is a weekly podcast where James and I delve deeper into the week's podcast news. And the big news this week is, James, that Spotify has announced that it is the most used podcast platform in the USA, beating Apple. Tell me more, James. Yes, I have a feeling that they are there basically trying to point out how big they are in comparison to Apple. So firstly, they're saying they are the number one podcast platform US listeners use the most, which is an entertaining phrase. Um, The reason why they've carefully stated it like that is that they've used the data from Edison Research's podcast consumer tracker. And frankly, it's of no real surprise because Spotify is available on Android, which has a 46% share of the US mobile market. But despite Apple Music and Apple TV being available on Android, Apple hasn't bothered to release Apple Podcasts there. So already... Uh, it's going to be pretty obvious that in terms of total people, Spotify is going to beat Apple. But Spotify does have, I think, a long way to go before it'll be the number one podcast platform for downloads, as uh, any podcaster will uh, tell you. Um, So I think that's one way where they're basically trying to claim we're bigger than Apple. Although actually, if you have a look into the details, it's not quite the same. So Their revenues, though, from podcasting has increased quite considerably, hasn't it? Well, their revenues have increased. I mean, the other thing, by the way, that they are uh, talking about are the total number of podcasts that they have in their platform, which is 3.2 million. And Apple only has 2.4, which is very exciting. But actually, again, that doesn't really tell you an awful lot because uh, Anchor stuff gets on there automatically, uh, whereas uh, everybody else has to battle through the Apple uh, Podcast Connect system to link their podcasts up with uh, Apple. So um, there's a good reason why Spotify has uh, a bigger number in there. It's because it's mostly nonsense from uh, Anchor. Over 80% of new podcasters on Spotify are using the Anchor platform, they say. So, you know, again, I think they're trying to be big. Uh, Yeah, in terms of revenue that you were talking about, um, yeah, podcasts are significantly helping where Spotify is going in terms of revenue. Revenue was up 75% year on year to 323 million euro, which is $374 million. And and that that sounds quite a lot, but actually total revenue is $2.9 billion. So when you have a look at ad revenue, it's tiny. It's 13% of all of the income for uh, Spotify. And of course, of course, it's going to be a massive growth because this time last year, we were all in lockdown and now we're not. So there's clearly going to be a bit of a uh, difference uh, there. Um, Podcasts are still actually losing using Spotify money. But the interesting thing about Spotify is that revenue per listening hour is growing. 
And unlike music, that doesn't mean that, you, you, you know, as that increases, you don't get increased costs as well. Whereas you do if you have, you know, more people consuming music on uh, Spotify. So from that point of view, that should hopefully help Spotify's profitability. But it's, a, you know, it, it, it's an interesting time for them, I think. Uh, well, they're very bullish still, James, because uh, they're saying that Spotify expects to have over 400 million users by the end of the year. Mm. Uh, and they claim that the profit from podcasting uh, is increasing rapidly, as you just said, and over 177 million premium subscribers. Even Daniel Ek came and gave a tweet where he says he expects the company to surpass 1 billion euros in ad revenue. So they're clearly very bullish. Yeah, they are clearly very bullish. And of course, you know, they would be because they have to end up talking themselves up. And as we heard uh, from Richard Kramer a few shows ago, you know, these sorts of events, these quarterly financial updates are essentially marketing tools. And you get, um, you know, and they're, and they're sitting there working out how to spin everything. And I think, you know, they've done a relatively good job in terms of uh, spinning this, I find it interesting that they're actually not telling us what the number of Spotify users that are using podcast content is anymore. They used to tell us that this time last year, it was about 23%. It then went up to 25% in quarter 420. And then they've not said anything about that. And that is a bit of a red flag in terms of what they classify as someone that engages with podcast content. Um, the rule is, if you listen to more than zero milliseconds of a podcast in a month, then you are engaging with podcast content, according to Spotify, which is madness. Um, so if you uh, are listening to their, you know, drive to work playlist, and all of a sudden you hear Michael Barbaro appearing, and you're there, desperately fast forwarding to get rid of Michael Barbaro, um, then you will be classified as someone who is engaging with podcast content, even though you only heard five seconds of the New York Times daily. So I think that's weird. And I think also what's weird is why are three quarters of Spotify users steering clear of podcasts altogether, even now? That's, I think, more interesting to me think that may be down to a poor UI. You never know. They have been saying that they are working very hard to make that UI better and to help discoverability. And we'll probably come back to discoverability in a minute. But I think, you know, from that point of view, yes, that might be the case. Yes. Now, just the last bit of bullish stuff from Spotify, and then we'll move on. Oh, good. Uh, they claim that they've got the biggest music streaming service in the world. But that on the back of the fact that Amazon and Apple don't actually publish any figures, I suppose that does make them the biggest music streaming service in the world. Well, yes. And also YouTube is clearly going to be way bigger, frankly, because uh, YouTube has an awful lot of music on there and quite a lot of people use it as well. Now, YouTube isn't a music streaming service, although it owns one. It's a, it's a video service. And so, of course, Spotify will, can, will claim to be the biggest music streaming service in the world. But I'm not even sure that that bit's entirely correct either i think there's quite a lot of smoke and mirrors going on here well talking of youtube and talking of video it seems that spotify is to add video podcasts oh brilliant um that's one more thing to do so as they say james it's a video podcast james but not as you know it it is uh, absolutely not well 
Uh, I mean, you know, so video podcasts have been with us forever. When podcasts started in 2004, uh, then video podcasts came very, very quickly afterwards. And so what Spotify have done is they've done something where you can only upload a video show via Anchor, which there's a waitlist to join, by the way, and you can only watch these video shows in Spotify. You can't watch the video shows in any other platform. You won't see the video files visible in RSS feeds. And if you use you know, Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any of the other podcast apps that work really well with video podcasts, then you won't see the video from any of these uh, services. So what Spotify have essentially done is they've built a proprietary system which adds video shows to their platform. Great. Excellent. It's not necessarily a video podcast, and it certainly isn't the way that every other video podcast has worked for the last 17 years. So bless them. But yeah, I'm not so sure that this is uh, entirely a thing either. Now, we were talking about the new media show. You wrote something that said that was available in a video format as well now. Yeah, so the way that video podcasts work at the moment, and I think this isn't a very good way, but the way that they work at the moment is you can subscribe to The New Media Show. You can also subscribe to The New Media Show, open brackets, video, close brackets, and you'll find these two podcasts in most of the podcast uh, apps out there. So if you want the video version, then you subscribe to the video version, which is great. But, you know, sometimes we want to just listen to the video and sometimes we want to listen to the audio. Um, And what this essentially means is that you end up with two entirely separate shows and you've no idea how far you got in either of them. So one of the things that would hopefully fix that is the alternative enclosure tag, which uh, the podcast index is currently working on, which would essentially enable you to have both video and audio in the one RSS feed, which would mean that it would appear only once in a podcast app. And that seems to me to be rather a better plan. Um, but, uh, you know, that that's something which, um, you know, we, we should keep on pushing for podcast apps to actually implement in their, in their uh, apps, I guess. Now, talking of video and YouTube, uh, Brian Barletta was on Heather Osgood's podcast, the podcast advertising playbook this week, where he was talking about his views on whether YouTube is a good client for podcasting. Uh, He seems to think it is, and he seems to believe that they might merge Google Podcasts with video or YouTube podcasting. What are your thoughts, James? Do you think that's a good step forward for Google? I mean, I I just don't understand what Google does half the time. Um, They've just hired somebody called Kai Chuck, who has been with Google for the last 10 years almost. And he is now, according to Ashley Carman in Hot Pod, which is apparently a podcast newsletter, who knew, uh, is uh, he's been hired as podcast lead to manage the large volume of existing podcasts and relationships across the YouTube platform. I have no idea what Google or YouTube are doing. Of course, um, YouTube is a different company to Google these days. But I, you know, um, uh, I'm, I'm sure that they've got a plan. But Google seems to be 
fairly incapable of actually elucidating what that plan actually is. And certainly speaking to the folks at Google Podcasts, which I did a couple of months ago, there was no real sense from them that they're, I mean, frankly, even working on the product. So I'm not quite sure what their, you know, what their plan is there. Whether or not Google makes the same mistake as they've done with messaging or with, you know, virtually anything else that they've built, I really don't know. And I'm hoping that Google tries to allay our fears because that, it just worries me a bit. Well, sorry, I have to disagree one thing. You said Google had a plan. I, I can't see that they have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Google are very good at um, doing something for nine months and then, oh, look, look at that flashing light and going, on and going off and chasing and doing something else. They're very good at closing things down as well to the point where, you know, I'm quite worried about some of the things that Google is doing. Having said that, I've just spent $1,200 on a brand new phone. So um, the Pixel 6 Pro, <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting that in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, hopefully Google won't forget that that exists. Um, but it does look quite nice. But anyway, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, who knows what Google's plan is uh, in terms of this? <laughs> yes. Well, let's move on to a, another company that doesn't have a lot of plans. You wrote about Clubhouse uh, now can post their... Uh, links to the top of their page. Yeah, so Clubhouse is is continuing to do quite a few things. If people are still using Clubhouse, you can post links to the tops of pages, which is essentially replicating something from Twitter Spaces. So if you're in a Twitter space, you want to share a link to a web page or whatever, then you can do that. You can tweet to that Twitter space that you're in. Uh, and that's great. Uh, so great that Clubhouse have um, copied that idea as well. So now you can have a pinned link in a Clubhouse room as well, uh, which kind of makes sense. And Clubhouse are also looking at uh, recording um, rooms and all types of other things as well. I kind of get the feeling that they're desperately adding new features, which is, you, you know, hiding from the fact that not very many people are using that app anymore. Or maybe people are using that app, but it's just not people like you and me, Sam. Yeah, I haven't been on it, God knows, for at least six months. Uh, Spotify has a similar live audio app called Green Room, which we've talked about before. Yeah. Chris Messina has pointed out to us that it looks like... Friend of the show. Friend of the show. It looks like Spotify is going to integrate Green Room into the main client, which is about time, because when I tried Green Room for the first time, I had to create a separate account and log in, and I just thought it was messy. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, if that's the case, that would be really interesting to see um, how that would work and also, you know, just uh, adding additional cruft and complication to the Spotify app where quite a few people are saying, why don't you just hive the podcasts off to a different app, which I'm not sure I agree with, but I can kind of understand where they're coming from. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, th th there's a lot of excitement, I think, around some of these live apps. I'm not sure that a standalone live app like Clubhouse or Fireside, which no one is talking about now, Fireside Chat, or indeed Spotify Greenroom, without a raison d'etre, without something, without a reason for it to exist, I'm not sure necessarily is going to work too well. And something like Twitter Spaces, which is integrated with the main Twitter uh, service, you know, it's very much part of what you do. Um, you know, I, I see there being a better future for that sort of thing. Well, talking of uh, all these live audio rooms, I caught up with Bailey Drake from Headliner because they've just released a new product called Backstage. 
And I asked her, what is Backstage? So we came out with Backstage, a platform for social audio creators, specifically right now Clubhouse creators and hopefully expanding here soon to record and share replays of their rooms. It was brought out of a need of this whole new social audio ecosystem of not being podcasters and what do you do with the audio and how do you spread that after? Talk us through how you use Backstage. Yeah, of course. So it's really simple to use Backstage. You have a clubhouse room, you have a link for that room, and you go into Backstage before the event and you can schedule the room just by inputting your event link. If your room's already live, you can put in your room link and hit schedule. And at the time of the event or when you put the link in, if it's a live room, the room records, you sit back, have your room, moderate, do whatever. And at the end, we'll take the room, we'll transcribe it. And from the transcription, we'll create summaries of the whole entire transcription. So if it's an hour long room, then we'll transcribe it down from what would be a maybe hour long read for an hour long room, 45 minute long read to a three minute read. And it's broken into clips. But from there, you can do two things. One is share the full recording on a page. So this helps distribute for listeners after the fact who couldn't make it. And on the backstage page, it will be broken down into these clips of sections, helping with the consumption experience for these recordings. Second, you can create clips, right? So Headliner, if people aren't familiar, is clip audiogram creator for podcasts is our main focus. And so you can use that same technology to create clips from the recordings of the room through the transcript just by highlighting and creating a clip. So I start my room, I, I use backstage, I record the audio, and also I get a transcription. And mm -hmm. at the same time, when I go back into headline, it's all waiting there for me. And then I can take my snippets of audio and I can transcribe those into an audiogram using the same tech. Is that fundamentally what you said? So headliner and backstage are actually a little separate. So you would have two separate accounts, but within backstage, you could take the audio from there and push it into headliner if you have a template or create a video directly from backstage. Okay. Now, Clubhouse recently announced that they're going to enable recording. That must have been a real, oh, really? Come on, guys. What's your thoughts now that they've announced their own native recording? Yeah, so we definitely knew it was coming at some point. It was inevitable. So mentally, we were prepared for it to happen. It happened a little quicker than we thought. But at the end of the day, it's good. Any more recordings are good. Our main goal with Backstage isn't exactly recording. It is to have this platform to make the consumption experience of the replays more enjoyable. And if they're recording, that's great. We're recording as well, even better. So it improves the flow. But we're not exactly sure, obviously, what their replays will be, but pretty confident based off what I know of us and how they're doing things now. What we're building with Backstage will be different and that we aren't focusing on the full episodes as we move forward or the full recording. Um, using our history with Headliner and this clip-based technology and automation and Headliner AI, we, we're taking these rooms and we're looking at them as, okay, here's this entire palette of audio and because they're live rooms in that moment that hour makes sense to pop in to pop out of but listening back if you miss the room there is so much that's not needed to hear and reduces the people's even mentally like i have to go find in this room and listen to resets and listen to all these things and so our goal with backstage is to eliminate all of that to take the hour-long recording break it down into 20 minutes of clips and 
we're positioned from our history with Headliner to do that better. Okay, so that's available now. Is there a free version and a pro version? What's available? We're all free. So every, you can do everything for free. We just put in a five recordings per day limit. But if someone has more rooms than that, they can always email us just to try to help with abuse or people in recording rooms they shouldn't. But other than that, everything's completely free. We're just trying to get as much audio out there as we can. Okay. Now, Twitter spaces, green rooms, many other places are producing live audio capabilities. Is the goal for Backstage to be the universal audio summation and clipping service? Is that your goal? So the goal is to bring in Twitter spaces and green rooms and all other live audio platforms and to have a universal space where someone can come and consume the audio from rooms from all different places, where it's a universal place, as you said, to kind of limit these social audio is this weird thing where it came up with a bunch of walls to start with. From even the beginning of Clubhouse, it was, of course, you had to have invite codes, which were needed, obviously, from the beginning for them. It makes sense. But it's ever since then has had this little bit of walled approach. And we're trying to break that down. So recordings will be on Clubhouse, whether they'll have that on their desktop or not, we'll see. But if it's within their app, then you have to have the app to listen. And that just doesn't allow for the most people to gain knowledge from these rooms. And we want to be able to solve for that. Okay. So is there any timeline for Twitter spaces? We're working on it right now, hopefully very soon within the next week, but I'm not very sure. We have our tech teams looking into figuring it out. And then we've messaged or tried to get in contact with Twitter themselves to get some API or something. But right now we're working on it. And as soon as possible, it's been the biggest request since we've launched is people asking for spaces. Now, are there any uh, other features within Backstage that you haven't talked about so far yet? No, right now, these are the two main parts are recording the rooms, the transcription and clipping. And then from there, being able to the consumption page, the share page, that was the biggest thing after recording was people were like, okay, we have this recording. What do we do with it now? So being able to share is our main focus. And that page itself, the backstage page, is where we're focusing most of our energy in this quarter of improving that listening experience, both in how you listen to the link, as well as what it feels like to listen to live audio after the fact and reproducing some of the emotional qualities that exist in listening to live rooms. And so that's where a lot of our focus is now is like, how can after the fact, when you're not in a live room, make you feel you're still involved in the community of being in a live room and basically make audio feel not an MP3 file. I use a tool called otter.ai to integrate with Zoom and to transcribe in real time the conversation, the one we're having mm-hmm. now. And I also use a, a product called lately.ai, which is also a clipping service. So again, it'll be interesting to see how Backstage works with those. But obviously you don't work with Zoom yet and you don't work with other mediums. So it'll be interesting as you expand out. Bailey also headliner, the parent company, brought out a product called Disco a little while ago. What is Disco? Yeah, we're really excited about Disco. This has been a big stage of innovation for a headliner as a disco is our publisher widget so it allows any publishers to put a recommendation unit onto their blogs and articles and it just goes through and reads the article figure out what it's about and then recommends podcasts related to that article for further listening we're on sports illustrated now and a couple others 
doing tests. And so we're super excited for the future of that as well to help bring more spoken word audio across the web and get people listening. So if there's an article written about about Podland or okay. about a topic surrounding oh, podcasts, okay. and so in Sports Illustrated, but it was an article about baseball or football, it would go through and take that topic, figure out who's mentioned, what's talked about, and then recommend podcast episodes right now on Sports Illustrated's podcast that relate to that actual article. So it's you're reading and then you're like, okay, I've read enough. I want to hear more and dive deeper into a conversation surrounding this article. Oh, that sounds really cool. It is. It definitely is. Bailey Drake from Headliner talking about backstage. Always a good idea to see if you can record these sorts of uh, live audio spaces. So interesting to hear. Yeah, the Twitter Spaces one, uh, she was hinting that was coming out pretty soon. Um, mm. And I did ask her, obviously, in the interview about whether now Clubhouse has added recording, what that meant for them. But they seem to be going after a different space. So, yeah, it's one of those tools. If you're into live audio and you then want to record them to a podcast, it might be something to look at. Now, they also have this disco widget, which we talked about. James, the disco widget basically looks at your website or your blog and uses AI to find contextual wording and then if you have the widget with your rss feed in it it will find relevant episodes any useful for you uh, on pod news maybe or on what you think about it for other services yeah it's certainly quite interesting and you can well see it for a website which you know i don't know is is, is about specific things something to do with real estate or whatever and being able to automatically link to podcasts that are about the thing that the article is about um, is quite nice. So I think, you know, it's one of the many ways um, to look at better discovery for podcasts. And we'll come back to that in a bit. But I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a useful and clever tool, I think. I've just got why it's called Disco. <laughs> yes. Yes, discovery. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was thinking, God, that's really apt. You know, it's Saturday Night Fever. I was thinking of all sorts of different reasons for why this might be called the disco widget. That'll be why then. <laughs> Have you had your coffee yet? No, it's far too early over here. Uh, another tweet that was going around that I thought was interesting. Nick Hobbs, who works for Twitter, uh, ran a Twitter space with Leah Culver this week. And he just posed the question, uh, should Twitter have podcasts? What are your thoughts, James? <laughs> what should, should Twitter be making podcasts and putting them into Apple Podcasts? Or should we have a podcast app in Twitter? Oh, my heavens, let's make sure that it's not the second bit of that. Nobody wants that, do they? I believe it is. Oh, my goodness. I mean, just imagine... Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, podcast apps are good for being podcast apps. Um, please don't turn Twitter into a podcast app. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with Twitter spaces, then you record it and you've instantly got your podcast and then you publish it to Twitter. It seemed like a logical step forward. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, Nick Hilton, a uh, friend of the show, he's been saying that he's sick and tired of people uh, tweeting their podcasts into Twitter. So he says he doesn't think it even works. 
Um, what are your thoughts there, James? Should we stop doing it? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you, as Nick did, say, has anybody got any podcast recommendations? Amazingly enough, all of the podcast recommendations he got were crap. Um, <laughs> that's, no, that's no real massive surprise. I mean, I think what uh, we all know is that uh, you can either spam your podcast or you can take part in a community where adding your podcast is a useful thing at some point. Um, but, uh, you know, spamming is always a bad thing. So um, I would agree with Nick there. I'm not sure necessarily that I agree with Nick, um, you know, in terms of not using any of uh, Twitter, but, uh, you know, to promote a podcast. But I think, uh, you know, it's it, it's certainly a point of view. And Nick is more than uh, more than happy to have a point of view on many things. Well, I'm happy. <laughs> Friend of the show, I should indeed. say. Indeed. Uh, Isn't he? He is indeed. We're, we're going to meet up in London, Nick and I, hopefully, with a few others, James Bishop. Ah, uh, very good. <laughs> if, if you see him, if you see him with a nice cup of tea... Can you tell me if the, if the cup of tea that Nick Hilton has is half empty or half full? I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling it'll be half empty. <laughs> now, talking of platforms that are adding podcasting to them, because, you know, we just need another platform. Yeah. Uh, Facebook went on to the new media show last week and they talked about adding podcasting to Facebook pages. Now, mm. we've talked about that before. Uh, they're using the word subscribe as opposed to follow, which is uh, interesting. So they're, they're listening to the market. And uh, what are your thoughts? Because it's gone live, James. You can now add your podcast RSS feeds into your Facebook page. Yes. So everyone across the world can now add your podcast into Facebook, uh, which is very exciting. Um, and uh, it turns out, uh, it, it just as we were talking uh, just before we started uh, recording, it turns out that on iOS uh, in the UK and even here in Australia, you can now listen to podcasts in Facebook, which is amazing and very exciting. So that's good. I was wondering, well, what does the podcast host see? What is the user agent? Is there a user agent? Is it really easy to track all of this type of thing? And what Facebook have done excellently is that they have one bot, which is grabbing all of the podcasts. They have um, at least two separate user agents, one for iOS and one for Android. And um, and then they've got another user agent, which is the typical Apple Core Media stuff, because Apple won't let you change that uh, user agent for the live for the uh, streaming type of experience for a podcast, uh, a progressive download. If we're going to be more uh, accurate, but anyway, what all of that means is that it's quite difficult to measure Facebook. Uh, it's also quite difficult, by the way, to measure Google. And I think, you know, this is another typical um, mess up of a company that has made it deliberately difficult to measure how their podcast app is actually doing. Uh, but so far on uh, Pod News's first day, you can listen to Pod News now in your uh, Facebook app if you're on iOS. We saw, I think, four downloads. 
uh, on our first day, which is very exciting. Two plays from iOS, um, two from Android, and then there's that uh, bot called Podcast Bot, which downloaded absolutely everything, uh, presumably so they can keep a copy in case of any problems. Mm. What do you think Facebook's trying to do? Is it just jumping on the bandwagon, or do you think there's a, an ad play around it? Oh, look, I mean, I think it's very exciting in terms of podcasters, because... You know, if you can get your podcast into something that over a billion people use every day, week, month, whatever the figure is, um, you know, I'm sure that that's going to be good for podcasting as a whole. Um, Is it going to be, you know, the way that most people listen to podcasts? Probably not. But is it an additional way that they might find this particular show? when we add it? Yes, probably. So I think it's, you know, it's certainly interesting and certainly exciting. Not quite sure why Facebook is doing it. Not quite sure whether Facebook has any interest in doing audio advertising, but certainly you can imagine that there might be some video video or indeed um, textual advertising around some of these uh, shows. And you know, it's again, it's more useful data that Facebook can hoover up and sell to somebody else about, uh, you know, anybody's consumption habits. So, you know, you can certainly see that being uh, quite useful too. Yeah, I've added uh, River Radios. I think we've got now 14 podcasts that I've added. Um, took the RSS feeds. Mm. It seemed to work okay. You had to authenticate each one. That was fine. Um, it pulls yeah. them up and, and shows the latest episode. Um, the problem I've got is because I've got a Facebook page for the radio station. And of course, when you click on the podcast tab, you get all of those different podcasts. What would have been nice, and I can't do it, it would have been for me to set up groups for each of the shows from the radio station with the podcast yeah, that would make more yeah. sense, and then it? that would have allowed me to have then the podcast with the show and then a community around that show with commentary whereas now i'm going to get comments mm. through the main facebook page which makes no sense for me because then we're just going to have somebody who's talking about our, one of our wine shows uh, juxtaposing up against somebody who's talking about one of our parenting shows so um yeah, yeah. so if you're listening facebook Please change it or allow me to do that. (laughs) Sort it out. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. Very good plan. Now, Tom Webster, uh, he's very bullish, though, on Facebook. Uh, He gave a presentation, a keynote presentation at Podcast Movement, uh, and he's the vice president, sorry, Tom, senior vice president of Edison Research. Um, And yes, if you want to have a look at that uh, presentation, I'll put it in the show notes. It's a great talk, which he was uh, able to share in his um, newsletter. And uh, and also, yeah, he talked about uh, six different ways didn't he, to make your podcast more discoverable? Yeah, I mean, the the, the standard ones, cross-promotion, you know, going to other podcasts. In fact, you wrote an article or you had an article on Pod News from a guy called Jared Easley about growing your show with cross-promotion. So, again, we'll put the link in our show notes. Uh, Tom said the other ways of doing it is buying ads on podcast apps or Facebook, booking guests with large social followings, focusing on your podcast SEO with transcripts or blogs. And I love this one. Or just keep plugging away, you know, just keep doing it. 
which has seemed to be one of the responses he got from a survey. Um, his big one, though, yes. was recommendability. Make your podcast very recommendable. He still thinks word of mouth is the best way to become discovered with your podcast. Yeah, and that's definitely from all of the data that I keep on seeing. It's the number one way that people find a new podcast is if they're told about it from somebody else. So that's always a good plan. So please, if you're listening to this, tell somebody about it. That's what we'd like you to do. Discoverability, though. Uh, I decided to catch up with Benjamin Bellamy, uh, the CEO of Adurez. I had to learn how to say that. Um, Benjamin has been recently giving presentations. He did one in Amsterdam about the geolocation tag, which I believe you had some dealings with James and uh, input to um you get a name check even um so yes we caught up with Benjamin I asked him about the 10 other ways for discoverability that you might be able to use for your podcast discoverability has always been a problem within the podcasting ecosystem the, the first answer to that was when Adam Curry developed an index that later became the Apple podcast index but that's not enough because there are so many host companies and so many podcasts and so many players that it's very difficult to find your way between all the podcasts that are being published and that are everywhere. The good thing about that is that there are such a profusion and diversity of podcasts. It's what makes the podcasting ecosystem so unique. And I think that's a great chance. And also it comes at a price, which is discoverability. I guess if you've got a massive marketing budget or you're a famous celebrity, it becomes much easier. But what I wanted to do in this interview is look at the 10 ways that the RSS new namespace is working on to help with discoverability. Now, you suggested one way, and we'll start off with that one, which was the geolocation tag. You presented in Amsterdam recently. What's the geolocation tag? How is it going to help with discoverability? First, geolocation was not a tag that we suggested. I think uh, James Cridland was behind it, but we love the idea because it's difficult to find podcasts and the, the localization part is very often very important. And right now, it's impossible to find a podcast that is talking about a specific place. It's impossible. So whether you are a tourist and you are looking for podcasts talking about places you are visiting or just interested in uh, cultural podcasts, let's say theater, movies, stuff that is happening on, at some specific places, there is no answer to that. And we are in the 21st century, so it shouldn't be that hard to say this podcast or this specific podcast episode is talking about this location and the geolocation tag, so the podcast location tag that the podcast index namespace has proposed, does that. So there is an answer to that. There is an answer to this question. How do I find an episode or a podcast talking about a specific place? So that's one good way of having discoverability built in to the RSS feed. Yeah, exactly. Because as soon as you have this information and you are able to index it and to search for it, then the problem is solved. So far, there are some hosting platforms who are using it and also some players who are using it. As far as I know, I haven't seen yet a search engine that searches this tag, but 
I think it's a matter of weeks or months before we see that's happening. So that's one great way. Now, Tom Webster, Senior Vice President of uh, Edison Research, recently at Podcast Movement gave a keynote presentation, and he talked about other possible ways of discoverability. He talked about cross-promoting or partnering with another podcast. He talked about buying ads on podcast apps or in Facebook, maybe booking a guest with a large social following, or even just podcast SEO, writing a blog. But his summary was none of those really matter. They don't really work. What he said was, though, it's about recommending word of mouth. That's the best way of actually podcasts, finding other podcasts or people finding new podcasts. Now, if that's the only way it's through recommendation, then what can we do? So what I wanted to discover or or open up with you is what are the other tags apart from geolocation that the RSS namespace is promoting? I'm going to start off with the first one, trailers. And it's a very simple one. Do you recommend everyone just create a trailer? Yeah, of course. Because now nowadays, uh, everyone is on Netflix or these uh, SVOD platforms. And it's obvious that if you want to see, listen, or consume any new show, you need a trailer first. This is how you get into watching or listening to a new show. So a trailer is not just a good idea. It's like mandatory. And there is a way of having trailer episodes, but that's not enough. And this trailer tag allows the podcaster to go a little bit further into promoting his or her podcast. The trailer is another way of discoverability. The other tag I'm just touching on, because we're going to just rapidly go through the, the first few that most people will know, is the person tag. Again, how does the person tag work and what is the person tag there to do? The person tag is really interesting because it allows the podcaster to tell who worked on this podcast. Because very often you are looking for, you're listening to a a specific podcast and then say, oh, I I like this guy. Did they do something else? Or I'm listening to this other, oh, I really like this guest. Uh, Where can I listen to her? And the, the, the person tag tells you exactly who does what. And it uses the, uh, the, the podcast taxonomy project so that we all talk the same language. Now, but Apple has a person tag function. And so does Spotify currently. It's just added it recently. But they don't use the podcast namespace, do they? No, as far as I know, they're using their own taxonomy and their own system, which is really a shame because podcasting is about sharing information between. And what makes podcasting such a great ecosystem is that you can be on any platform and listen on any platform and you still get the same experience and the same information. Do, do you hope or expect both Apple or podcast? Do you hope or expect Apple or Spotify to ever eventually support the open namespace? I hope that eventually they do because uh, they won't have a choice because eventually it's going to be so obvious that it's the best way to get uh, a really nice and, and seamless experience. That's the, if ever, the more people are using it, the more obvious it's going to be that it's the way to do it. Yeah. So moving on from the person tag, um, transcripts is another tag that will help with discoverability. Why should I include a transcript within my podcast? 
there are many reasons why you should be using the transcript tag. The first one that concerns you as a podcaster is discoverability and SEO, because using that, it will allow any search engine to find what your podcast is about and the content of it, not just an audio file. So it's really a great tool for that. Another one, which is a total, totally different matter, is accessibility for uh, deaf and um, the hard of hearing people. Because being hard of hearing doesn't mean that you cannot listen to a podcast at all. And uh, the subtitles, the transcripts may help a lot. And last, transcripts also help finding something that you, let's say you listened to a podcast last week and there was a part that was really interested, interesting, but you cannot remember if it was at the beginning or at the end. So it will provide better searchability within a podcast. Also with Castapod, which is your product, you also do multilingual transcription, don't you? Yeah. One thing about transcripts is that, and thank you for reminding me, that it's also a really good feature for a translation. As a French, a native French speaker, mother tongue is French, and it's obviously the one that I understand and speak the, the better, but I enjoy a lot listening to English-speaking podcasts. And from time to time, there are words that I cannot understand, and having subtitles would help a lot. And it would open new markets to podcasters. You obviously do French and English. Is there any interest in Castapod doing other languages like Spanish, German, Italian, Chinese? So Castapod is the, the hosting platform, the podcast hosting platform that we are developing. It's open source and it's not limited to certain languages. As a company, Adores, we are working on transcription, automatic uh, chapters, on semantic indexation, and we are working on French and English only so far. But again, it opens up transcriptions, not only opens up to multilingual, but as you said, for the hard of hearing as well. Now, chapters, you just briefly mentioned, that's another tag that helps with discoverability. Tell me more about chapters. Yeah, chapters may seem not the most important one, but actually I think it is. First, chapters have been here for a, a long time because it's possible to have chapters within the MP3 files and some, some players are using that. The thing is, we, the, what the podcast namespace brings is the ability to have a podcast, um, sorry, to have a chapter file external. So you can delegate the chapters definition to someone else, to your audience, or to an automatic process. You don't have to embed the chapters before you put your, your MP3 file online. Then one thing that is really a real shame with podcasting is that as soon as a podcast is out of the top 200 chart, it's usually forgotten forever. And uh, as uh, James often says, it's like going to a library and having only the, the books for last month and all books that are ordered our months would be hidden in some place uh, in the attic or whatever. The chapter allows you to make better searchability and to say, 
there is this chapter of this episode of this podcast that is talking about this subject and to allow uh, listeners to find them more easily. So it's a great tool to improve Discover. Now, you've also developed, you say, a semantic engine that finds the breaks in chapters as well. What's that? Oh, so basically at uh, Adores, we've been working on semantic search and indexation for uh, years. And the first thing that we have worked on was uh, recommendation, which is basically finding contents that are alike, that are talking about the same subjects. Creating chapters is the exact opposite. You are looking for a part of an episode that is as far away as possible from the next one. When you find a semantic break, it means that hmm, there should be a new chapter here. And that allows to make automatic chapters and to say, this first one talks about this and that, and the second one talks another thing. It's something that we've been working on for uh, quite a few months. And, and we are actually running some tests with uh, Radio France here uh, in Paris. That sounds quite interesting because, again, James and I, we do spend a lot of time chapterizing all of our shows and putting all of the correct titles in. So it's something that would automate some of that, at least it's so that we can go back and just edit it would be great. Now, moving on from chapters is another way of uh, discoverability. Soundbites is another great tag that's been proposed and, and I believe is now alive. Tell me more about Soundbite. Soundbites, it just, as it, as it says, it's giving you a bite from an episode because there are, usually there is one specific part that is highly recommendable and that you want to share it. And you want to share it either as an audio file or as an audiogram. So the soundbite tag allows the podcaster to say, for this specific episode, you can listen to these 10 seconds and then these 30 seconds and then maybe there's five seconds. So you get an idea of what you're going to find if you listen to the whole episodes. So it's advertising for what's in a specific episode. So that's different from the trailer because you are talking about the episode that you just really. Yeah. And this is one of the things that I've been talking about with James about what I call top down creator content, because the soundbite is created by the podcast creator. I think that there's also a need and it's beginning to appear. I know Buzzsprout have started it and I know Fountain certainly do it where they have a user generated content of soundbites. So for example, I'm listening to your podcast, Benjamin, and I think this is a great piece to share with my friends so I can create a soundbite from it. Again, another form of discoverability. And I think there needs to, within the podcast namespace, probably a way of differentiating the two. But again, that's something that a soundbite is a great way, again, for the podcast creator, as you said, to create an advert for the episode. Now, the big one that I, we wanted to talk about, I know that you've been looking at closely as well, is the recommendation tags. These are some of the newer tags that are coming out. Tell me more about what is the recommendation tag and where it currently sits within its public. Well, as you uh, mentioned before, recommendation is a big part of how to discover uh, podcasts. And the thing is, right now, there is only few ways for podcasters to, to recommend uh, another podcast or to link between podcasts. The thing is, 
For the past 30 years, the internet was developed with hyperlinks and we see hyperlinks everywhere. Anyone writing a web page can make links to other content, except for podcasting. If you are um, hosting a podcast, you cannot, within your podcast, make lists to other podcasts or to other content or even to advertise. So we think that there is a need for a recommendation tag, which will allow podcaster to say, if you like this podcast, if you like this episode, or if you like this chapter, probably you should listen to this other one. And the reason may be uh, because the talk we had was based on this. Maybe it's a Wikipedia page, or maybe it's for uh, acknowledgement, because we would like to thank our uh, guest today, which is in another podcast. Or maybe it's for audience exchange, or it can be for audience-based recommendation or content-based recommendation. Or, or maybe it's made by the same people. There are many reasons why you would want, as a podcaster, to recommend another podcast or episode or chapter or anything else. And it can be free or it can be paid. So the recommendation tag is here to allow the podcaster to do that and to say what he's recommending and why he's recommending this or other. Is this a published tag now or where does it currently sit within the namespace? So it, has, it hasn't been published yet. It is due to be published on December 1st. So I encourage everyone interested in that subject to go to the GitHub of the Podcast Index and to participate in the discussion. We had a few already and it's evolved actually quite a bit but obviously if we want as many people as possible to use it we need as many inputs as possible so everyone is welcome to talk about the recommendation now i can see how that could be used quite uh, extensively by people the the other new tags that are being proposed there's another one which is around user comments now i know you've been very heavily involved in the user comments using something called ActivityPub. Can you tell me more about what this cross-comments, user comments that you've... Yeah, sure. Because actually the first reason why we started developing Castopod, the, the podcasting hosting solution, was ActivityPub. We were looking for a podcast hosting solution that would uh, embed ActivityPub and we couldn't find one. We went to... We asked for help to NL who is supporting us and the, the reason why we think that's important is the main, the most valuable thing for a podcaster may be his audience. And as a podcaster, you shouldn't let anyone take control on your audience. ActivityPub allows to do that, allows to pre prevent that. Meaning with ActivityPub, basically, it's just a protocol that says I'm posting a podcast and anyone can like it, share it, or comment it. And this can be done on any platform that is compatible with ActivityPub. And there is no one between the listener and the podcaster. So no one can block or remove you from away from your, podcast, your audience. 
I don't know if I make myself clear enough here. Activity Pub has been known with Mastodon, but it's not the only social network using it. Activity Pub can be used for pictures, for music, for obviously microblogging, and now it can be used for podcasting. So let's say you're a user using PodFriend as a podcast player. You can listen to a podcast hosted on Castopod and you can comment directly on it. So the podcast is the social network. And the content, the comments that has been created by your audience is on your podcast. It's on your podcast website. And it cannot be deleted. But not deleted by who? By you, by, the admin, by, or by the user? I, I mean by a third party. Ah. So you are not delegating your audience to a third party. There is okay. no one between the podcaster and the audience. Yeah, so if you had a Facebook page and someone commented on your page, Facebook could delete that comment as a third party. Exactly. So the comment allows, again, for a little bit more discoverability in the sense that I can write a comment on Mastodon or, or on another client you would see it within your podcast as a list of comments that were made, but anyone else on another client also looking at that podcast would see that comment as well. Yeah, exactly. Anyone, let's say on the new social or play Roma or any other activity pub compliance, social network would be able to see that comment and to right. answer that comment. And I think comments is something that we, we want within podcasting. It gives the creator of the podcast, that feedback loop, which we all desire, because that tells us how we're doing or what people think about what we've been talking about. And many, sadly, right now, web hosting sites don't allow for comments within the web pages that are created for their podcasts. Yeah. And usually they are delegated to a third party, which is exactly what we want to avoid. Yeah, like Discuss or something like that. Yeah. So that's the comment tag. Now, there's two new ones that have come up recently. One's called Medium and one's called Gateway. Let's talk about Medium first. What is the Medium tag and, and what's its role in terms of helping us with discoverability? It's a very simple idea. It's just the idea that we've been doing such great things with podcasting on um, a decentralized ecosystem that it would be a shame not to use it for other ecosystems. So it could be a podcast, but it could also be music. It can be video, film, audiobook, because we, they all need the same feature. And it just with one extra tag, you allow all these other industries to use the same features and the same software. So RSS can be used for multiple transports of medium. Now, from what I understand and read, it also means that it detects the medium that you're proposing. So if it's a video or if it was music, and it can alter the client in terms of, you know, if it's speech-based podcasting, then it may try and change the equalizer so that voice is the optimal mechanism that you're listening on. But if it was a music, it would change it. Or if it was video, it would look at the device and again, change the way that the video is played back. Eventually, there is no limit to what you can do with that and the experience that you want to provide. The, the thing is, right now, you can host uh, a, a musical album on a podcast hosting 
but the thing is it won't the, the experience probably will not be as good as you expect it to be because for instance when you list when you're listening to a podcast episode you usually use it only once whereas uh, if it's a music you want to be able to listen to it as many times as you want to you are expecting the player to behave in a different way whether it's a music a podcast or a, a video or an audiobook so that's another great way of allowing the creator to set the environment in which their content is going to be consumed yeah exactly now this last one this new tag that's being proposed is called gateway tell me a little bit more about the gateway tag uh, gateway uh, is it looks like the the trailer of this kind of stuff it's if you're looking for if you're a new listener and you don't know this part a trailer gives you an idea of what it's about but there are there is usually one episode that is not necessarily the first one it can be the last one from the last season or it can be anyone so it allows the podcaster to say if you don't know my podcast this is the episode that you should probably start with like your best one or maybe or yeah. one of your most interesting ones yeah i was saying the last from the the last season because it was uh, like best best of or we made some kind of celebration and have we had our guests whatever there are the reason why this episode is the the gateway one is up to the podcast so there we have 10 very quick new tags for helping with discoverability. The problem, I guess, right now, Benjamin, is that most people and most clients aren't supporting all 10 or even half of these. So how do we get the industry to, 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 to embrace more of these tags? I have to say, I totally disagree with you on that one <laughs> because a year ago, none of that existed. None. There was no tag no hosting company, no player. It's been very recent. And actually, the amount of work and the number of people and company who joined the movement is astonishing. A year ago, we joined the movement from not the very beginning, but not long after. And I, I wasn't dreaming of what's the position that we are in today. I think it's a tremendous move forward, keeping uh, the podcasting ecosystem open and also making it as pleasant for the both the podcasters and the listeners. If you go to newpodcastapps.com, you will see all the platforms and players that are using these. And I think that there are many of them of course, if you are a big company, we won't expect you to embed these new tags that some of them are like two months old and to put them in production right away. And maybe some of them will be forgotten. Not all of them will be used. We don't know that for now, but the, the, what was accomplished here is really encouraging. Sorry, go on, Benjamin. I know I'm lost now. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I was going to ask you, how many do you currently support as a company? How many do you currently support, do you think? I don't know. I have to check newpodcasthubs.com. 
I don't know because we are as a company. It, let me see. So, Topod currently recognizes seven of them, which is a locked funding, transcript, chapter, soundbite, location, person. And there will be many more in the next few months. The good thing is the competition will make everyone use them. I'm pretty confident in that because it's going to be hard if you're either a podcast hosting company or a, a podcast player developer to say, nah, we don't do that when some other do. And these features, they're really useful for everyone and they keep the podcast open. So, of course, I understand that some have, yeah, never mind, forget that. Last questions, really. How do you as the CEO decide which tags you're going to support next and how much engineering time you're going to apply to them? What makes you decide to reach out to the next new tag as a thing to add? Where does the line sit with I think it's the same for every company. It's a manpower how much can we afford spending on that and how much effort it requires to, uh, to be developed. The easy part for us is that Castopod is a very young product. I guess it's easier to add a new tag in Castopod than it is uh, for a bus route, let's say. Right. But we, we all manage to do it. Yeah, and, and is there an, a tag you're working on now that will be added next to Castopod? The recommendation tag is probably the one that we will focus the more on because it's the missing link and it gives power back to the podcasters to say, you're listening to my podcast. As a podcaster, I'm telling you, you should be listening to this and that. And you don't delegate that to a hosting platform. Yes. Now, uh, Benjamin, please tell everyone again, if they wanted to find out more about some of the work you've been doing or download your client, where would they go? So if you want to host your podcast, you can go to castopod.org and you will get all the information on our platform, which is free, as in free speech and as in free beer, and it's open source. And if you want to work with us for semantic indexation or for recommendation or for automatic chapters, then you go to adores.com. Brilliant. And if you want to take part in the discussion for the recommendation tag, you should go to the pod podcast indexed GitHub. Benjamin, thank you so much for your time. Benjamin Bellamy from Adores. I don't know whether I pronounced that correctly. I didn't do the course that you did, uh, Sam. Um, <laughs> it's Latin, so it doesn't matter, he said. Oh, well, well, there we are. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, interesting to hear all of that. There are, um, you know, obviously a bunch of uh, interesting tags and stuff like that, which is going on as well. I spotted that there is also a new schema org type. Would you like to know what a schema org type is? I do, because it, it, I read it and it certainly went over my head. So go on, tell me more, James. <laughs> well, so Spotify and iHeart are both using this. It is a little piece of code inside a web page which allows search engines and other things to understand what's in there. So there has always been, you know, schema org 
um, types for a news article, for example, or for a product. So you can list, you know, these are shoes, they're in the colour brown and they cost this much and they're in this size and this is the barcode for them and so on and so forth. There is now seemingly a proposed schema.org type of podcast series which looks very interesting. So I have added that to PodNews' podcast pages as well. And that essentially just means that uh, the podcasts just look a bit better in search, um, whether that's in Google search or whether that's in uh, Brave search, which I um, am now using, which is uh, excellent, which is like um, it's one of the better uh, search engines that I've discovered. So uh, and it just makes uh, your podcasts, you know, appear and appear quite nicely. So that's a good thing, too. The thing that confused me, OK, is when I looked at the schema, and it's clearly driven by Google because there's a lot of Google people involved in it. But the namespace that Dave Jones is working on is a formal XML schema as well. So in the schema.org that you've just talked about, there is a person field. Yes. And in the schema that Dave Jones for the podcast 2.0, there is a person tag. Yes. Um, and they're not the same. <laughs> they're not is, the same. Which is always brilliant. So what's going on? So, I mean, yes, I, this on? is really... So the difference, the big difference really is that one of these is meant for RSS feeds and it's for your podcast apps to understand what's in a podcast, whereas schema.org is used for structured data, which um, is built for search engines. So search engines, by and large, don't look at RSS feeds because they can't really do an awful lot with RSS feeds. What they can do an awful lot with is web pages. And so being able to know this web page is about this podcast, and this podcast is also has an RSS feed over here, and there is actually a space to add the uh, the GUID and all kinds of stuff if you want to. Um, so that's actually quite useful for um, for web search engines. It's not that interesting or useful for a podcast app because a podcast app already has access to the RSS feed. Um, so I think that's the big difference there. But I mean, any form of structured data which helps uh, search engines find something is is always a good plan. So I think, you know, interesting to see Spotify and iHeart have both added it. I'm sure that other people have added it as well. Um, I've also added it too, uh, just to see what the difference um, that I get from search engine results might be. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're two different things. They're kind of doing different jobs, um, but I can see where they might overlap a little bit too. Now, I was wondering about all of these tags that are in the namespace that Dave Jones has created and the schema or the org one. Mm. So if I go to pod news now and I do a search for a person, what will appear? Will I get any more data now that you've added that schema? Uh, no, you, uh, mainly because Pod News as yet doesn't look at uh, the person tag anyway. So, <laughs> so this is a good start okay. there. But what you might well see, for example, is if you go to uh, Google or to Bing or to Yahoo and you type in the name of a podcast, you type in Podland, for example, then you are less likely just to see a random link to a website and more likely to see here is a logo, here is um, the description of this podcast, 
Um, it might say that your eye are on it. It might also um, give all of the excellent five star reviews that we've had uh, and all of that sort of thing. And that will be in the search engine results, which is, uh, you know, which is a really good, good, good thing, because obviously search engines are where a lot of people find new shows to have a listen to. Okay, so you wrote about the fact that you found a Spotify reference to James Acaster that popped up. Um, Is that using the schema? Yeah, um, I don't know what it's using, but it's uh, from, uh, there was a pod newsreader called James Potter, excellent first name, James. And he was saying that he had something in his app. He'd listened to a show with James Acaster on in the past. And now he's got a list of shows who have had James Acaster on as a guest which is really interesting because that's then seemed to pull in a bunch of data around who the guests were in a particular show, which isn't data that I can give Spotify. So therefore, Spotify presumably is humanly curating this, or perhaps they're looking for James Acaster in the text and they know that he is a person. And so therefore, they're doing a little bit of clever coding from that sort of 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 side. I'm, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. But really interesting to see Spotify giving you a discovery mechanism, which is essentially guest appearances and that sort of thing. Apple's had this for a while with, um, I guess, top podcasters being allowed, like yourself, to have their face put on Mm. and uh, guests. But that is proprietary, isn't it? It is proprietary to Apple. Podchaser also has that kind of data. So you can potentially pull it from Podchaser, as PodNews does. And there is a uh, people tag or a person tag in the new podcast namespace. The difficulty with the with the tags is that it's quite easy to spam, whereas uh, Podchaser, of course, has some element of approval in terms of changes that people make. Um, and of course, Apple is using, you know, 500 different people uh, in a in an office in Cupertino uh, to put all of that information in there. So, uh, you know, so it's different ways of trying to fix that particular issue. Yeah. A couple of extra stories that you've been covering. Uh, one was Acast and the BBC. They've done a deal. So Acast sells podcast ads in BBC podcasts outside of the UK. So if you're inside the UK, then your TV licence fee pays for it. If you're outside the UK, then it's supported by advertising. And the broadcaster saw 246 million global podcast downloads in quarter three, which makes them uh, not quite as big as NPR, but bigger than uh, Wondery, for example. So, you know, they're, they're doing pretty well in terms of that. So it's good to see our friends at Acast doing well in terms of renewing that particular uh, agreement. Podchaser, which you just mentioned a few minutes ago, has started to add community leaderboards badges and other gamification tools. Why would they do that, James? Yeah, I think they are trying to get more people to go in and uh, comment and vote for particular podcasts within Podchaser. It always seems to me whenever I go into Podchaser, it's a very uh, worthy service. It's got, um, you know, some people using it, but it always seems to me that um, there aren't that there isn't that much activity going on within the website itself. 
And I think one of the ways of doing that is to, you know, give people badges and things to encourage more ratings. What Podchaser has also done is they've produced a progressive web app so you can actually use it, if you like, as your own podcast app on your uh, mobile phone. If you've got a, a you know, mobile phone that deals with, um, uh, that deals with uh, web apps well, uh, so, you know, interesting seeing that, it, you know, I think Podchaser has an awful lot of really interesting data and it would be good to see more podcast apps using that data to augment the information that you can get from a straight RSS feed. Now, Neiman Labs uh, has highlighted that Vox Media has added an immersive transcript and yeah, I, I want to know what that means, James. Come on, what's an immersive transcript? <laughs> well, so the idea from Vox Media here is that they've made a very, very fancy website which essentially gives the podcast experience to somebody who is deaf or hard of hearing. Um, it's a very clever piece of animated HTML. It's entirely unscalable, um, but, you know, it's got lots of people talking about it and good for them. Um, a better way to make a podcast be accessible is to add a transcript and to, uh, you know, and to, and to do that sort of thing. And that's a really good first step. But, you know, clearly, if you've got the time and the, and the expertise, you can make something as smart and as clever as Vox Media have done. A couple of other little bits and pieces. Um, Shadow is a new podcast app for iOS, which includes SharePlay. Um, so it means you can listen to a podcast with friends. I thought that was quite interesting because SharePlay was a new feature in iOS 15. Have you tried it yet? Yeah, that's right. So iOS 15.1, I believe. And yes, you know, it, it, it's supposed to be very nice. I haven't tried it, uh, partially because I don't use an iOS phone that often. And uh, secondly, obviously, I don't have any friends. But um, <laughs> yes, you know, I mean, using it, uh, it I, I had a quick play of Shadow itself. And that is quite a nice app. It's very stripped back. Um, it's very minimalist. Um, I spoke to the author of it and he I pointed him in the direction of the new podcast namespace. He was already aware of it, which is good. And he plans to put some stuff in there. Whether or not he goes the whole hog and does value for value, I don't know. But certainly adding a few things in there would be uh, quite interesting. But yeah, it's just a very classy, very pared down, version of a podcast app it looked quite nice to be honest so um yeah it's worth a worth a play uh, it's called shadow and i tell you what we'll do we will put some codes in there uh, some codes in our uh, show notes for the first people to use it you'll get a year's worth of shadow plus which is the paid for version um, and uh, i think we've got five codes or something like uh, like that so we'll give those away in our in our show notes uh, if you can uh, read those and when they're gone they're gone they're gone right <laughs> uh, and the last thing is the Australian Podcast Awards, which are announcing their nominations on Friday, which is tomorrow, as I record this, one o'clock Sydney time, 12 midday Brisbane time. Uh, looking forward to finding out who's been nominated. I know, obviously, who's been nominated in the category that I help judge, but I don't know anybody else. So looking forward to that. Um, and uh, if you watch that video, then you will also see, rather confusingly, uh, a man who looks just like me, but with Weirdly, uh, it, it 
it's very dark outside, so clearly it it, it can't be me because you know it'll obviously be the middle of the day. Uh, so why would it be dark outside? But anyway, uh, you'll be <laughs> you'll be able to watch that as part of the nomination uh, video um, with an additional uh, thing that you can go out and win for your uh, podcast, even if you weren't nominated. So you can find out more about that. Uh, on the Australian Podcast Awards website at australianpodcastawards.com. I think I need to watch it because if you're like me, I'm totally confused about what you just said. So, <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Well, there we are. Hey, I tell you what it's time for now. And now, as the French say, it is time for Le Boost. It's time for Boostagram Corner, or as the French say, Le Boost. I have them in front of me, so I will very quickly whisk through them. Uh, I've got one from uh, somebody that doesn't give a name saying, James survived the bush. Um, that's uh, a that's something to do with the wood that I was in last week and, and not what you're thinking, Mr. Sethi. Anyway, um, a nice boost. 21,000. Hey, hey, this is quite a big boost. It's 21,112 sats. That's a big boost, whoever you are. Thank you very much for John Spurlock's great recent stats work. Yes, well, I, I agree. I'm not quite sure why you're boosting uh, me for that, uh, although I did help a little bit. Um, but thank you very much, anonymous benefactor. Uh, thank you too to Evo Terror, uh, who uh, says, I'm distributing my circus tokens to the show I enjoy. Um, uh, Adam Curry won't like that very much. Podland is on the list, he said, of the shows that he enjoy. Also, five in Thai is pronounced ha. So the way that Thai people yes. uh, type LOL, you know, lots of lots of laughs, yeah, uh, <laughs> laughing out loud. That's right. That's what it is. Um, the way that uh, Thai people do is they is they just type five 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 because that looks like ha ha ha. <laughs> so uh, Evo has given us five 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 sets, which um, I I now pronounce a. A ha-ha-ha boost. Uh, so, Evo, thank you very much for that. Do we have any others? Uh, yes, we've got one more, and it is from Adam Curry, the podfather himself, boosting to get those background bird sounds to be a permanent feature. <laughs> I mean, I could fake them, Adam, but no, I'm not going to do that. 5,000 sats from CurioCast, which is very kind of you. And one more from uh, the Pod Sage himself, uh, Dave Jones, who I notice Adam is now calling the pod sage, <laughs> which I find hilariously funny. Uh, Dave says, the interview with Genevieve was wonderful. It was so great to hear someone reaching tall heights in podcasting without the shackles of monetization. Would love to hear her speak at a conference. Us too. 21,112 sats sent using Fountain. Who knows? Uh, Dave may have also been the uh, anonymous benefactor who gave us that amount too. And he's also sent uh, two 112 sats for a Sethi wine fund boost. Thank you. Uh, so there you go, uh, because you do obviously need a, uh, a boost for your wine fund. So Dave, thank you very much. And thank you to everybody who has given us a boost. Uh, that's all very kind of you. If you have a boost button in your podcast app, then press it now. And if you don't have one, it's time to get a better podcast app at newpodcastapps.com. And now... As the French say, it is time for Le Boost. Now, if you're still with us and you've, you've got this far, uh, thank you so much. Um, quick quick list of events. It's another long one this week, isn't it? <clears throat> yes, thanks, Harry. Keep it coming. Now, quick list of events. 
Podcast Origins starts tomorrow and you're there. Yes, I'm speaking at Podfest Origins. Um, uh, there's a promo code SPEAKER30, which will save you 30% off tickets because I'm a speaker. I can share that. Uh, so that's all good. Um, yeah, and I'm looking forward to uh, taking part in that. I'd be looking forward even more if I was in Tampa in Florida, which is where the physical version is. But nevertheless, I will enjoy the hybrid version. Uh, so looking forward to that. The third Afros and Audio Podcast Festival has been announced, which is a virtual event in mid-November. Looking forward to that too, as well as a corporate podcast summit, which is being organised by Podbean. They're streaming it on LinkedIn, which is very corporate. Uh, on November the 9th, it's to be focused on branded and internal podcasts. What else is going on? There's the Webby Awards. Uh, the entry, or early entry deadline uh, is still available till this Friday, October the 29th. So get cracking if you want to yeah, be Yeah, which is tomorrow. In there. Quick, just remind and us how many Webby Awards you've won uh, there, Sam. Yeah, yeah, it's coming, James. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any? Just so that everyone needs to know again. Yeah, you know. I, I, you know, I've got two. And if you get a third, would you actually bother to collect it this time? <laughs> I won't get a third. There's no, there's no chance of this podcast getting a third. Uh, <laughs> going, going on right now is the 2021 X Fronts, which is the indie podcast upfronts, uh, which is very cool. It's a day of virtual presentations from indie networks, indie podcasters, and fresh voices. It's being sponsored by Libsyn and Advertise Cast, um, and doubtless you'll be able to watch quite a lot of it on the X Fronts website. Brian Barletta, friend of the show, will be on. Uh, he is dressed up as a mad scientist, and he actually has some hair, which is very strange so worthwhile having a peek at that at the x fronts website now there's a, a big show coming out in uh, the uk next year which you are involved with yeah there's a big show which i i'm i'm working to be involved with I'm, I'm not entirely sure whether i'm completely involved with it yet but who knows um it is a show called the podcast show 2022 it's actually really cool it's going to happen in uh, mid-may and what it's going to be is it's going to be business conferences by day. So lots of the uh, well-known podcast companies are involved, Wondery, AdSwiz, uh, Amazon Music, Sony Music Entertainment, Triton, and so on and so forth. And what the show will also be is it's a week of live podcast shows being recorded across London, um, mostly around the Islington area, which um, they're trying to claim is the city, which it most certainly is not. Um, but uh, that's going to be um, really good. I'm really looking forward to um, going to that. That's a week after Radio Days Europe, which is in Malmö in Sweden. So um, I'm hoping to be able to get to both of those as of November the 1st. Australians can fly everywhere again. Uh, and it'll only cost us $150 to get a, um, a, a COVID test and then another $150 to get back in again. But anyway, let's ignore that bit. Um, so I'm looking forward to uh, doing that. And who knows, we might be a little bit more involved. Um, we will continue to work on that. Great. Uh, lastly, I just wanted to make a quick note. So a couple of things. So we have mentioned, and they will be in the show notes, uh, a link to Tom Webster's fine keynote presentation at Podcast Movement, and I'll put a link also yes. to Nick Hilton, where he's written a blog post on Medium about it's time to end podcast self-promotions on yes. Twitter. They were both really good to watch or read. 
And and uh, it is Rajar Day today. If that means nothing to you, then you're probably very, very grateful for that. Rajar is the radio figures in the UK for the uh, large terrestrial radio stations. And um, it's the first time that the UK radio industry has had Rajar figures for the last year and a half. Lots of things have changed. And there's a bunch of things which you can uh, learn from Matt Deegan, who has written a very good blog, as indeed Adam Bowie, who was on the show last week. Um, Both of those, we will link to those uh, today. And you can also listen to Matt talking about more on his podcast, which is called The Media Podcast. Um, uh, Some really interesting changes, predominantly around breakfast um, and uh, looking at uh, the platforms that people are listening on now as well. So if you're into radio and you're into uh, radio consumption, then uh, Matt and Adam's blogs are well worth a read and you'll find those in our show notes as well. So it leaves me to just ask, James, what else is happening for you in Podland this week? Very much looking forward to speaking at uh, Podfest, uh, which I am doing. Uh, Also very much uh, looking forward to, I'm speaking at um, a number of other things over the next week, including, I think, Radio Days in Norway, uh, which should be good fun to do, um, as well as a bunch of uh, other things as well. Some of them are at four o'clock in the morning for me, which is brilliant. Uh, Some of them are at a slightly better time Um, but uh, yes so uh, look out for uh, me if you are involved in any of those uh, conferences it would be great to have you along and to be asking uh, questions in probably a zoom chat window as most of these things are uh, what's going on for you this week uh, in terms of um, in terms of everything and nothing? <laughs> like you care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there you go. I mean, you're you're still you're still in holiday mode, aren't you? From Barcelona, how many times no. did you get mugged? Four times. James, that would have been more entertaining as a double black belt. I would have actually quite enjoyed someone trying that. But anyway, that's another story. Double black belt. <laughs> you learn a new thing every day. Wow. So, uh, and that doesn't mean I have two black belts in the same one. I do two different arts. But anyway, moving on. That's not about that, I, what. I think, ladies and gentlemen, that's a challenge. <laughs> oh, anyway. oh, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, what, do, what I'm doing. Well, I'm cleaning up all the mess that I've made with Facebook and uh, various other platforms. So, uh, I think I got castigated by Dave Jones and a few others for not uh, finishing off adding all of my podcasts to the podcast index and making them all value for value. Oh, yes. So I've got a little bit of cleaning up to do there so I can get my gold star. And uh, with Facebook, yeah, I've just got some tidying up to do on the RSS feeds that I've gone in. Excellent. Well, yes, well, good luck on that. Are you going to be getting yourself your own node as well or are you not going that far? No, not that far. Not that bothered. Not yet. It's too complex. I've tried to follow your instructions. Oh, it, it's way too complex. My, my node is in serious need of rebalancing, and I still don't understand how to do it. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Anyway, um, uh, yes, and that's it for this week. Thank you to Bailey Drake from Headliner and Benjamin Bellamy from Ad Ores from being our excellent guests. 
please follow Podland in your podcast app and on Twitter at Podland News, where you can tweet a comment about this week's show or tweet us a question for next week's show. You can also find all our previous episodes on the web at www.podland.news. If you'd like daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter's free at podnews.net or the podcast can be found in your podcast app. And all the stories we've discussed on Podland today are taken from this week's Pod News and all the links are in the show notes. Our music is from Ignite Jingles and we're hosted and sponsored by our good friends Buzzsprout and Riverside FM. Keep listening.